0: Hello there. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Trey Chats. I'm your host, Trey Elling, and the concept of this show is pretty simple. Over the years, I've had the chance to meet a lot of smart, funny people who I love to speak with. And I'm bringing some of those conversations to you. Oftentimes, these chats are going to be UT sports related, especially during football season, but not always. And boy, considering it's Texas OU week, I couldn't ask for two better guests for the first episode starting with Lifetime Longhorn and CBS's top college football analyst, Brian Jones, followed by Sooner's great, Teddy Lehman. So let's get right to it. Well, there will be different guests each week. The plan for the one mainstay through football season is Brian Jones, a guy that I'm lucky enough to get to call friends, a former co-worker, and someone that I can't help but to marvel at the heights that he's achieved as a broadcaster over the last couple of decades. And I don't know if there's anyone who gets me more fired up for OU Hate Week, then Brian Jones. BJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the time, and uh, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, man, and I do recall an instance where I almost got all of us fired because I was too damn fired up during uh, Texas OU Hate Week, but uh, we all survived, and and uh, we've moved on and doing bigger and better things. But, man, I, I'm great, fired up for this week, and, and hoping uh, my horns uh, can finally uh, get... The better of OU having lost four straight, and if they can't beat them this year, hell, they may never beat them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, you hate to think about that, but you may be right. Now, this is a weird year for this rivalry. It still means a lot because it's Texas OU, but it's the one game in the Big 12 this week where it doesn't include a ranked team. College game day is in Lawrence freaking Kansas this weekend, which is another bizarre factoid about this weekend's game. However, it is still Texas OU. So I assume you're no less fired up heading to the game on Saturday than uh, you are most years.
1: Well, you assume correctly. Uh, but first and foremost, Kansas deserves all the adulation, all the attention that's being focused on that program. 5-0 and oh, now. They should uh, send some flowers or something to Jace Gilbert, the kicker for Iowa State, who went 1-4 in field goal attempts last week and missing, of course, the, the short one that would have sent that game into overtime. And who knows? Kansas may have prevailed even in that extra period. But uh, they're playing some some great football right now. And, of course, TCU, what they did to Oklahoma last week. I'm just hoping Texas can pick up where TCU left off and, and hit Oklahoma in the mouth. They're reeling currently, but as you know, uh, throw records out when these two meet. I, I was an unranked Texas football team uh, playing OU, and, and and they were ranked, and and we knocked them off. Uh, so uh, anything can happen in this ball game. It, it should be a fun one, and, and yes, I am excited. Can't wait. Uh, just chomping at the bit to, to see this one. And, and, and hopefully Texas can come out and play as well as they did last week uh, versus uh, West Virginia, not to say they were perfect because they weren't still some uh, issues with that offensive line, which I expected uh, with them being so green when we uh, started this 2022 season. But defensively, uh, play much, much better, flying around. And, and that's what bothered me so much, Trey, about the loss in Lubbock is the fact that it's one thing to lose. It's the manner in which you lose. And I saw a lot of guys out there, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that look lost. Once again, they, they couldn't maintain a a, a lead, uh, as th- which was problematic a season ago. So that hasn't been corrected. But to Coach Sark's point, I, be- I believe they are better. They're a better football team. If I could only get Hudson Card to hit damn Xavier Worthy down the field with those deep shots. What is up with them? They need to stay after practice and to keep working on that. Worthy's there. He's doing his part. I just can't get Card to connect with him. Man, time and time again. It's just brutal.
0: It really has been the one frustrating thing with Hudson Card over the last few weeks because he's been great in pretty much every other facet of playing that position obviously being thrust into action versus Alabama he did a good job of managing that game making plays at times with his arms and his feet and giving the longhorns a chance to win in the end and he's only continued to improve since then and that leads of course to what is maybe the biggest question on the Texas side this week assuming that Quinn Ewers is fully healthy and ready to play as Pete Thamel reported going into last weekend's games What do you think Steve Sarkeesian should do? Go with the incumbent starter or the guy who has had uh, had the hot hand, seems to have gotten into a pretty decent rhythm, and may truly be the guy that gives you the best chance to win this Saturday?
1: You go with your starting quarterback. If your starting quarterback can go and he has a clean bill of health, you put him out there. He's been practicing. You know better than anyone what he's capable of accomplishing on the field. Uh, So put him out there if he's ready to go. It's as simple as that. Uh, that, you named him a starter for a reason. He won the job, right? And then he went out in the small sample size that we all witnessed, and he looked like he belonged, man. It was impressive uh, the way he was slinging the rock. Uh, he was cool. He was calm. He was everything you wanted to witness from your signal caller. I'm, I'm starting him if he can go.
0: Okay. Even if it means knocking a little bit of a actual game day rust off, a game where fluky things tend to happen.
1: He hadn't started a game since high school, right? At the beginning of this season, rust, what's that? You don't know what rust is, man. That kid, he, he, he appeared to know everything he needed to know about this offensive system. And he went out there and balled as if he had been in it for a long, long time. So I'm starting him. And once again, He's going through practice, so if you can practice, you can play. And a lot of coaches say, I'm not playing you unless you practice during the week. He's been practicing. I'm starting him. I'm not worried about any rust. He hadn't started a game for almost two years, man. So uh, I think he'll be fine. And if there is some rust, you just have to fight through it. But he's your number one guy for a reason.
0: All right, love the answer there. Now, uh, BJ, you're one of the first people that I heard – who was accurately critical of the Texas defense last year. I'm curious to get your thoughts on not only the linebacker position, which obviously you know so well, but also the defensive line. Have you seen those uh, two levels of play really step up their play this year? And is there any individual in that linebacking room that you're uh, especially proud of right now?
1: I have seen them step up their play occasionally. Actually, every ball game except, the Texas tech ball game. That's why it was so perplexing to see this defense revert to last year's form. I sat there and I couldn't believe it. I think this, these are all the issues that you and I and our boy Chad discussed. Everything resurfaced in that tech ball game. They couldn't tackle as far as the linebackers. They were riding these these ball carriers for tech. I mean, they, it was a rodeo watching them cats on the back of these ball carriers, ball carriers falling forward, whether it was a quarterback receiver, what have you, they looked lost. And I had praised them the week prior, especially the Alabama game. He said, this team, they they appear to know what's being asked of them at this juncture. And yet in that tech game, all of that went awry. Uh, I like what Jalen Ford's doing. He probably had his worst game versus Tech, 41, but he has a nose uh, for the ball. There was another one that stood out, uh, maybe number three, who doesn't get a lot of run, but he seemed to find the rock as well. Uh, They still have issues setting the edge. That's a big problem. Of course, Overshawn with his speed, man, uh, he, he should make tackle after tackle after tackle, especially when he's covered up playing that wheel position which he did in, in last week's game versus uh, West Virginia. He, he shot the gap, boom, met the ball carrier even before he could turn up field. That's what you want. Uh, defensive line, not a lot of violent hands in the Tech ball game. They were doing more catching than firing off and and, and getting to the quarterback. Uh, last week saw they played better. That ADA was at Darrell, uh, I believe is his name. He has popped all season long. I like his game.
2: Sorrell,
0: yeah. Sorel, is that it?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah he he has really uh, stood out. Stood out to me. They've got some good pieces. They just need to be more consistent. Be violent with their hands. Come off a little bit lower and 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 strike and shed or shock and shed as as we're, we were taught back in the day. Just has to be consistently there. You have to bring that same energy. I said this after the Bama loss. You have now set a standard. You have shown the world how you can play ball. Now the hard part is living up to that on a week-to-week basis. The good teams, they can do that. The bad teams, they can't. And Texas was bad on the road versus Tech. They've gotten back to playing to that standard these last uh, this, this last weekend. So they just have to maintain that. That's who you are. Live up to it. As our coach used to tell me, every time you go out there, you're signing your autograph and saying, this is who I am as a football player. They need to understand that they set the standard. Now you go out there and live up to that standard.
0: That's a great point. And I'll be honest, one of the things that concerns me about last weekend's performance is that in the last 12 years, Texas has turned into one of those programs where they let the tiniest bit of success go to their heads. Yep. hate to say it about Bama because that was a great performance, but it was also a silver linings loss. Now they looked good against UTSA the next week, which a lot of people thought that they might end up losing that game. Then you saw, like you said, a lot of those bad habits resurface on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense up in Lubbock. So my hope is that Sark has their attention this week and says, look, last Saturday was last Saturday. Was it nice to get back on track and to to play with a little bit more consistently? Absolutely. But the bottom line is, is West Virginia is one of the worst teams in this conference. You need to keep that in mind to keep your ego in check. And understand the task at hand. And the task at hand is an Oklahoma team that has been struggling. Absolutely. But they are absolutely going to give you their best shot in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. No
1: doubt. And that's what you want. You expect it. Everyone's going to give you their their best shot. And we don't even have to mention the games looming on the horizon. Oklahoma State, I've got them in my top four. That's how impressive they look winning at, at Baylor. And Baylor, we know, will not be an easy out. TCU after what they did to Oklahoma. So we can worry about those games when we get to them. You control what you can control. And that's going back to my previous statement is you have to, your play has to be comparable to that standard you set versus Bama. You treat every team such as that big juggernaut, number one, rolling into your backyard and you're going to be just fine. If you bring that energy offensive line, Hey, leaky versus Texas tech, they couldn't stop a nosebleed with a bag of ice. Last week, early in the ball game, similar issues, man. You got Bijan tap dancing back there. As soon as he gets the ball, Card being pressured, they have to get better. But as I said, I expected there to be some issues up front with so many new pieces and young pieces on that offensive line. It's going to take a minute for them to congeal and and play in unison. Uh, but They have to get better. The the rest of that team defensively, they have to play better. The pieces are there, though. They've recruited well. I think the development has been there. Now it's just that mindset. We got to go out here and do it each and every week. We have not arrived. The minute you think you've arrived, that's when you're going to be in trouble.
0: PJ, not to veer too far off course here, but I love your Oklahoma State as a top four uh, opinion. Oklahoma State may be the best tackling team in college football this year, and Spencer Sanders It looks like he has finally taken that next step. Yes, I understand he had the interception to start the second half last weekend. He was making plays for them all game long, though, and that's not something uh, anybody on the Oklahoma State side has been used to through his first three years.
1: They are tough. They are physical. And these new pieces who are now stepped in at wide receiver and and – at the running back, Dominique Richardson, watching this guy run downhill. Man, he's going to be a low. You're correct about Spencer Sanders. It, 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 I The quote from Dylan Doyle, they're all everything linebacker there at Baylor. He said, we knew exactly what they were going to do. And they did exactly what, they, what we thought they would do. Wow! But we couldn't stop them. We could not stop them. That says it all right there, man. This team is physical. They're going to punch you in the mouth. You got a quarterback who can utilize those wheels. If he stays away from the turnovers, they are going to be extremely difficult to, to knock off. Uh, I, I, the defense, that's number zero, a uh, Cobb. It was Malcolm Rodriguez last year, yep. man in that spot. Now you have this Cobb. And, of course, Derek Mason comes over who made his name as a defensive coordinator during Stanford in their heyday. They've now gone back to being a Stanford of old. But uh, of course he, he leveraged that into the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. Then he goes to Auburn and and now he's at, at at, uh, Oklahoma state. They haven't skipped a beat on that side of the ball. And that's, that was my concern heading into the season, losing Jim Knowles and Mason coming over and losing uh, the leader, Malcolm Rodriguez and some other pieces, man, they were balling. I hate to say it. I enjoyed watching that game because they were, they were bringing it. And, and, and Baylor had a shot. You, you mentioned you know interceptions and balls going through guys' hands. There was one, shaping, put it right on the receiver, and it went through his hands right into the defender's hand. But Oklahoma State is for real. I have taken notice, and I'm sure a lot of other folks have as well.
0: How great is it to get the annual reminder that Mike Leach is Texas A&M's daddy?
1: <laughs> how about that? I mean, it, when he was in Tech, he was a thorn in their side, and now he continues to be a thorn in their side. Back to back years, uh, knocking them off. I thought they would win uh, there in Starkville because the Aggies are struggling mightily offensively. Man, they just cannot get. I bet they couldn't get sin right right now on that <laughs> side of the ball. Man, that's how. <laughs> their, their first four possessions in the red zone. Uh, what they have. Turnovers, two turnovers. They got a field goal. Had to settle for a field goal. Then they had a blocked field goal. And their defense, I believe that's an aberration. They're not as bad as they looked last week going up against Mike Leach's offense. Although their offense did the same thing to them, same thing to them a season ago. I think they played better versus Bama, especially with no Bryce Young. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that side of the ball. But offensively, they're challenged losing Smith, of course, who's uh, excellent at that wide receiver position. Everything's hinging on a chain right now because he's quarterbacks. Max Johnson takes care of the ball, but is he a type that can be electric and and, and do what Calzada, who was not a lot of fanfare around him heading into this matchup versus Bama a season ago, but they kept him clean, no sacks allowed. And he was able to make some plays down the field. We'll see what happens. Uh, Stranger things occurred. Uh, There are strange things occurred there in college station, I think with Bama and Revenge on their mind, it's going to be tough uh, to get a W uh, there in Tuscaloosa.
0: What percentage of A&M fans do you feel like is uh, experiencing a bit of buyer's remorse with Jimbo right now?
1: <laughs> a, a, a lot of them. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them are. Uh, you, you sit here and, and you're wondering, uh, what did we spend $95 million on? Now, you know, Coach Fisher, he said it's all about execution. He's saying the plays are there. Everything, the plays are there to be had. It's just about executing those plays. So what is amiss in this offense? Because I thought the offensive line, going back to my, my statement a moment ago, leaving Bama, uh, rendering Bama sackless in last year's contest, most of those guys are back. And yet they've struggled up front opening holes. They can't hit the deep shots. We know he's recruited well. He has the pieces there. They just cannot get right on that side of the ball.
0: Very well said. We're going to end with a couple of Texas OU questions, BJ. Going to start with one that is admitting that sometimes you like the other side, even during hate week. Sometimes there's just those Sooners players that you can't help but to enjoy watching. Like one of those guys on the current Sooners roster for me is Marvin Mims. He's super Mm -hmm. talented, and I love watching him play football. Who's a, a name or two over the years that you uh, can't help but to admit that you actually liked uh, liked watching play football, even though he was wearing that Sooners uniform.
1: I am not admitting to any of that. <laughs> <laughs> my, biz- my business partner is actually a Sooner, and we, we played against each other, Kenyon Rashid, when he was at Oklahoma. So I have to like him, even though we try not to, to discuss business during this uh, this week. Uh, I've already had one conference call with him this morning, but. Um, <laughs> A player, you know what? I I could not help, but even though he tore Texas up, Adrian Peterson, man, and I I carried the water for him. I said, this dude should win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I don't give a damn if he is a true freshman. He should win the Heisman. I think he had 1,800, 1,900 yards his freshman year and just blew through horns, and I was there as a sideline reporter and the host of Mac Brown's TV show and witnessed that in person. That one was a that was tough. So I'd have to say all day Adrian Peterson, man. Yeah,
0: that's a uh, good pick there. And last question, BJ, you probably know what, where I'm going here. What's your prediction on Saturday? Texas has
1: to win this ballgame. So Texas will win this ballgame. I think they. there's no doubt that Sark knows what to dial up. He's excellent. And he and Venables, I believe they butted heads previously when Venables was at Clemson and, and Sark was at, at uh, OU. Um uh, I'm sorry, Sark was at uh, Alabama. Uh, I, I believe they went up against each other. So Texas just needs to be physical. Come out and play physical ball as they did versus Alabama, and they win this one. I'd love nothing uh, t- better than to see oh, OU lose three straight. I don't believe they've lost this many in a row, three or four or five straight since the late 90s, and that was pre-Bob Stoops. So uh, if, if they can't get them now, man, I don't think they'll ever be able to get him. And I know this, they're not feeling sorry for him. Great, you got embarrassed the last two weeks. I think they've given up through the air over 500 yards the last two ball games. the Sooners have allowed. And on the ground, I think it's over 600 yards. I know they had four, TCU had four, at least four plays of 60 or more yards that they scored on last week. Man. That's that's embarrassing. But as you said earlier, they'll 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 pick up the pieces from that and, and it'll be easy to get up for this ball game. But Texas wins. I, I'm picking Texas. I'm going to say. Texas. If the right Texas team shows up thirty one. Thirty one. Fourteen.
0: Oh, I love to hear that yeah. winning going away. Yes. Winning and not having to sweat it out at the end, especially after all the big leads that we've let melt away. Great, in I'm in the studio. Video.
1: Everyone knows when it's Texas OU weekend in the CBS Sports Studio 43. And I'm sitting there last year, and it's 28-3 at halftime. And all the crew, they're just, yes, great. BJ won't be in a bad mood and this and that. And I'm just looking at these spools, And I said, do you guys know anything about this rivalry? Obviously, you don't. And what the hell transpires, you know, all the Longhorn fans know. And, man, you talk about a, a, a sickening feeling. And I'm looking at all of them. Look, I see what you guys did. You jinxed damn it. Told you this game is never over, ever,
0: ever, ever. I will I will not admit to you right now that uh sitting in the stands at the game last year that I was uh getting my keys out and shaking them at the OU side at 28 to 3 then.
1: <laughs> well, I understand that. I get it. But there's still some uh hesitation on 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 my part just knowing that history, man. Playing in that game, being behind and being able to come back that's the one. That yeah, that's one of those games and you should finish all of them, but that one in particular, you have to finish the damn drill.
0: Seeking the Truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. No doubt about that. He is the great Brian Jones. Check him out this weekend as part of that CBS College Football Studio show every Saturday, by the way, during the season. And uh, hear him in this show on Wednesdays. BJ, thank you so much for the time today, man. Always a pleasure. And uh, let's get a win this weekend. You
1: got it, my man. Hook him.
0: Since we just spoke with one of the best Longhorn linebackers to play in this rivalry game, let's go across the field now to chat with one of the all-time great linebackers in OU football history. Teddy Lehman is a national champ, two-time All-American, Butkus and Bednarik award winner. And he's one of those guys who is a part of one of the most memorable plays in the history of this rivalry. Currently, he serves as the color guy for OU football, hosts a daily radio show in Norman called The Rush on Sports Talk 1400 with Tyler McComas, and he's even in the podcasting realm now as co-host of The Oklahoma Breakdown. Teddy, always a pleasure speaking with you, man. How you doing today?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself?
0: Doing pretty good. It's a weird year for Texas OU because neither team is ranked, and that almost never happens. And the other strange side note is that it's the one Big Twelve game this weekend that doesn't include the ranked team. However, it's still Texas OU, so we're fired up on this end. Is everybody pretty excited in Norman right now?
2: I don't know. I I, I don't know. For the first <laughs> time in a long time, I would say that I'm not sure. There's there's we are a fractured fan base right now. I think there's a group that's excited i think there's a a group that is um maybe cautiously optimistic and then there's a group that thinks we're going to be the worst team in the big 12 so it's um it's it's a weird fan base right now to say the least
0: yeah well it's understandable those who are maybe the most pessimistic right now after what happened in fort worth last weekend a 55 to 24 loss at the and to the TCU Horn Frogs, and TCU isn't a bad team this year necessarily, but they're not that good. For you as somebody who was obviously at the game, calling the game, what was the most concerning thing for you coming out of that game?
2: Man, just how easy we made it on TCU. First series right out of the gate, turned the ball over on our side of the field, Um, you know, which is uncharacteristic. We have, I don't think the our offense had turned the ball over yet except for the backups did late in the Nebraska game on a, on a fumbled exchange. Um, but turn the ball over TCU is able to take advantage of it. And, you know, from that point on, we just never got our bearings again. Uh, defensively way too many mental mistakes. It's the same thing as, as Kansas state game. Um, you know, we're not getting beat physically. We're getting beat mentally, just guys, busting assignments you know we've had you know the last couple weeks free runners through the secondary and the first three games we didn't have hardly any of that we didn't give up i think we gave up maybe what we would call one explosive play through the first three games and the last two games it's just been one after another and i don't know you know obviously there's there's a difference in the in the competition but like we're we're not giving up explosive plays because we're playing good people. We're giving it up because guys are just having mental bust and you've got free runners down the field. So I I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why all of a sudden that that's been a a problem for us, but yeah, uh, against TCU, it happened right out of the gate. You know, we gave up the, the opening touchdown after turning it over and then we give up a, you know, a 70 plus yard touchdown, just, because of middle bust. We, we're we in a, a cover three. One of our deep third players doesn't play the deep third, and we just got a guy streaking down the field wide open. Um, so that's not getting beat physically. And then the very next play defensively after our offense is forced to punt is a zone read concept with Max Duggan, and it's just a, a straight-up bust mentally there as well, and he turns it to a 67, 68-yard touchdown run. And that's back-to-back plays. So we've been playing, you know, we're like three minutes into the first quarter. And it's already, you know, we've given up three touchdowns defensively, turned it over on offense, and then you know, we just we never got it back together. Um, took a ton of injuries. Not that's not an excuse, but you know, we 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 just continued to have guys dropping like flies. It was it was just a bad day all the way around.
0: Yeah, it really was a perfect storm for you guys, and it's one thing have Adrian Martinez have a good day running the ball on y'all and Max Duggan does okay things with his legs from time to time but to see him house one like that that had to have been ultra concerning now throughout uh five games of this season we've seen the defensive front play pretty well so far they have done a great job of getting after the quarterback especially in non-conference play that's uh taking a step back just a little bit in conference play uh but the secondary was what I was looking at the most uh, this last Saturday and then also in the game versus Kansas state this weekend, is that the level that uh, worries you the most right now in terms of the defensive line linebackers in the secondary?
2: It's hard to say. I, I, I don't know who's going to make the big middle mistake. You know, like that's, that's the thing that worries me. You know, the secondary has been, you know, pretty solid for the most part, as far as coverage is concerned. And they were, Again, on Saturday against TCU, now we had some pass interference calls, which were not smart. You got to turn and find the football, but we haven't had a whole lot of guys just straight up getting beat. So mm. um, it's it's hard to say, honestly. I, I think my biggest concern is making sure we fit the run game properly. Um, you know, because it all starts right there. We we haven't been good whenever we've been bad on first down. Um, you know, if, if, if we can force... Teams into predictable situations, we're pretty good. But you know, just like anyone else, if we're battling first down and then it's second, medium, and you know, it's it's either run or pass. We can't really get really build on anything. And then you know, you're you're in third and short. It's just it's it's going to be a long miserable day. So uh, my biggest concern is making sure we stop the run and, and doing that on early downs. Yeah,
0: you, you know, it's interesting to think about because prior to. The start of the season, you look at what happened to this Oklahoma program in the offseason, obviously losing Lincoln Riley and a number of assistant coaches is a huge deal. But on top of that, you saw guys jumping from this program to go elsewhere, either USC or uh, elsewhere in the Big 12 SEC or someplace different altogether. For me, as somebody who admires all the successes that the Sooners have had over the last two decades, it felt like it was going to be a difficult rebuild year for Brent Venables. But you look at the media poll, and like they always do, everybody's penciling Oklahoma in to uh, perhaps win another Big 12 championship. For you, as somebody who is obviously this close to the program, did you think that this would maybe be a, a little bit harder for Brent Venables in year one than a lot of people uh, were were giving credit for at the time?
2: No, not really. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm probably not the right person because I I always place all of the onus on the players. You know, I like for me, we we should easily be an undefeated football team right now, hmm. I, and, and that doesn't have it doesn't have anything to do with anyone who transferred a year ago. I think the guys that we have on this team are more than capable. I think there's some young guys, there's some inexperienced guys. There's some guys that are new to the program, but I don't, I don't find that as much of an excuse. Uh, If you're getting top level coaching, you have everything at your disposal. Um, You know, I, 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 I don't. I don't make excuses as this is going to be a, a down year because I think we're more than capable of, of beating the two teams that we've lost to. So, I mean, I, I understand the difficulties, and it's not always just an easy transition. I mean, I understand that, but at the same time, I I, I feel like our players are good enough to be able to to win the games. Like, you know, we've we've missed open throws at quarterback you know we've we we've dropped a couple of important passes you know in critical moments we've we've you know penalized ourselves against Kansas State it was penalty after penalty after penalty um you know like i said against TCU it's it's guys running free down the field like to me th- those aren't talent issues like that's not saying we don't have good enough players it's just it's focus it's discipline it's details and yeah, maybe it does take a while to learn these systems and, and be able to to build your roster up, but I'm a firm believer that we've got good enough players right now, and it's just uh, it's just a matter of gelling, getting the confidence back, uh, preparing properly, making the play you're supposed to, to make, and um, not penalizing yourselves.
0: Yeah, and to your point, I guess, Dylan Gabriel, who's bread and butter as a college player, has been his accuracy amongst other things. He was sailing everything on Saturday. Now, at one point it looks like Jeff Levy got to him and had him shorten his stride just a little bit. And he started to uh, regain that accuracy. Then unfortunately he does get hurt. He has practiced a little bit this week. It sounds like Uh, for you as somebody who obviously hopes to see him play this weekend. uh, Where are you with that right now? If you had to uh, give us a best guess on this Wednesday, how do you think that one plays out?
2: I don't think he plays. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going off of any information. I mean he hasn't practiced. Um, so I, mean, I know there's reports out there that he's practiced, but it's <laughs> standing on the side, like not in like helmet shoulder pads like everyone else and throwing the football on the side that is not practicing. so true. Um, you know I I don't think he plays just when you got a guy that's laid out on the field like that. um, And I don't know what his, like, I don't know what his baseline testing was like. And like, as soon as you go back, they put you through the baseline test again. Like I don't have any information on all of that, but I just know that Oklahoma, our, our uh, medical staff has always been as long as I can remember extra cautious whenever it comes to the concussion stuff. And, Thinking about that and the current climate right now, obviously with what went on in the NFL, I don't think anyone's going to be in a rush to to get him out there. And I and I know that that is not something that a lot of people want to hear, but because we have we have a big drop off right now. Backup quarterback was you know one of our big issues right out of the gate. You know that's if if we want to talk about a transfer issue, like we we had two you know five star quarterbacks transfer away last year it's hard to rebuild that so we had to go to the portal we had to bring guys in so that has been a weakness for us since Venables showed up um you know but you know it's just it's one of those things that you have to deal with and sometimes I think that a backup quarterback can be an advantage for a very short period of time you know not for, you know, obviously to roll through an, uh, a full season after a starter goes down, that's just that's not good. But I think for a short span, I think everyone else on the team has a heightened awareness, knowing that, hey, you know, we're, we're going to have to do everything we can to help him out. Um, you know, as a as an offense, you, you tend to build things a little bit differently than what you have previously. And it can take your opponent a while to adjust to that. So I think there can be some advantages there, but you obviously would would love to have your starter.
0: Yeah, Davis Bevel was not good last week, and I keep hearing people say that he was Kenny Pickett's backup last year. He was actually the third-string quarterback on that roster last year. Uh, there are three options at quarterback right now, Teddy. Uh, Bevel, General Booty, and yes, he has an amazing name, and then also a true freshman who's on the roster right now. In your opinion, who is the best of those three guys to roll out there if Gabriel can't play?
2: Bevel. Okay. there's (laughs) there's a lot of conversation about like Nick Evers and that's the true freshman, right? Right. And in my opinion, Coach Venables eliminated him yesterday in his press conference. Um, Mm -hmm. Some other people were taking it totally different. They you know, I saw his name trending on Twitter and it's it's like, (laughs) oh, Nick Evers is one of the guys taking snaps. That's not what Venable said in his, when they asked him about him, you know, is he one of the, is he taking snaps? Well, he just said, well, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's taking snaps, he's practicing, but then he talks about how, you know, he's, he's played well in the like they call it the future freaks game on Thursday. They have like a, a scrimmage with the guys that are like red shirting, not playing. And he's played in that. And then he said, you know, Coach Levy will probably get up here later and tell you that, you know, he's not close to being ready. But, you know, I think I've seen some good improvement in it.
0: Another day
1: is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: I know nothing that he said, and I'm I, maybe he plays, and maybe it's it's a smoke screen. I don't know, but there, there's been no nothing that has come from any of the coaches that would suggest that he's going to play, which, you know, he's a true freshman. Like, he's done some solid things, but as soon as they got him in and saw him, it's like we got to go to the transfer portal and, and we've got to have a backup quarterback, you know. And and that's that's fine, I understand that. And everyone's all been out of shape because they saw, you know, Bevel come into a game where we're down three touchdowns, right? As as a backup in a terrible situation, and he didn't play well, wasn't prepared very well, made some bad throws. So everyone's like just dismiss that and play anyone but him. But, you know, he won the backup job, and there's a reason for that. All through fall camp, I don't think you dismiss all of that based on, you know, not playing well in a horrible situation, on the road, having to come off the bench.
0: Look, for anybody who thinks that uh, Oklahoma not necessarily having stellar quarterback play is going to make a difference in this game, I would like to remind them that Case McCoy – has won a game in this series. Now, I don't want to be smirched Case McCoy's name because he also helped us beat a that final time as well, but that was one of those years, much like this year kind of feels, where not a lot of people are giving Oklahoma a chance to win. So if you think Bevel might be the guy who can make enough plays to help Oklahoma push the ball down the field, maybe sustain some drives to help rest that defense a little bit more, because I think that was also uh, a big problem versus TCU, although they were also getting gashed by single plays uh, throughout that game as well, then that's the guy that you have to roll with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it'll be fascinating to see what we do. If guilt if Dylan, Gab- which he may play Dylan Gabriel may play. Um, I don't know. Got no idea. Um, like to me, I, and I know I'm a defensive guy, but like, that doesn't even matter to me. Like, you've got to block people. You've got to not penalize yourself. You've got to play good, smart defense. You got to win special teams. And I know quarterback is incredibly important, but like it's not like quarterback is the reason that we've lost. Like we've you can blame it on everyone across the board as the, the reason why we've lost two games. So like, I know that's the big conversation right now, but frankly, if we don't fix a bunch of other things, it don't matter who they start quarterback.
0: What is the strength of this OU offense right now?
2: That's a good question. We've been trying to figure that out. Um I I think they I think they run the ball well at times. I think they Marvin Mims is an excellent deep threat. Um we'd like to utilize that more, but I think we've had, you know, it, it's been hard because once this offense gets off schedule, we've had some serious issues. And we've gotten off schedule because of like poor first down plays. Uh, penalties and whenever that's happened, you know, we just can't afford to continue to push the ball down the field because uh, if it's second and 10, I, we have not been good. You know, like I said, whenever we're off schedule, we haven't been good on third down. So it's been kind of frustrating that I think the deep balls probably our biggest strength, but we haven't been given ourselves um, enough chances to take advantage of that because we haven't been good in some other areas.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Marvin Mims, because even though this is hate week for both sides, Marvin Mims is one of those guys, and he goes on that list of Sooner players that I have a hard time disliking because I love watching him play so much. So my question for you, Teddy, as somebody who obviously put on the uniform, so maybe the answer is nobody, but who in the history of the series on the Texas side have you had a hard time hating because you loved how he played so much?
2: Sam Ellinger. You know, and, and I don't even know what the fan base in Texas thinks about him, but he he was a guy that left it out on the field every time we played, uh, got knocked out in his, his true freshman year, um, you know, just battled and battled and battled. In, in, what, 2020, I saw him single-handedly bring that team back from the dead uh, and had a chance to win it there. I, if, if Tom Herman would have gone for two, on that last touchdown, like our defense was dead, and I know Ellinger was like he was—he could barely stand up; he was so exhausted. But I feel like probably would have won the game on that. But um, he just battled and battled and battled, uh, tough, took big shots. Um, he was—he was a guy that that was—he was hard to hate because I respected the way he played so much. Tom Herman is
0: one of those guys who wore his emotions on his sleeves, while on the sidelines, even as a head coach. And watching Brent Venables, it almost feels like he's a little bit too reserved right now. Like, they were talking on the broadcast last week about he obviously had that get-back guy at Clemson. Well, he doesn't have that guy anymore. And now he's sometimes the guy telling others to get back. Would you like to see a little bit more fire out of him on the sidelines?
2: No. I, okay. That is I, – I don't know. They I, I don't know how that's been covered, but he's <laughs> He's got plenty of fire up there, trust me. Okay. Watching, watch him on Saturday. He is he is constantly in the defensive huddle. He is um he is constantly engaged. You know, it's been very defensive focused, you know, obviously, because like he knows that system, it's his system. Um, you know, and he's comfortable with, with some of the other guys that are helping him on the offensive side, but you know, our defensive coordinator is up in the box, so He's kind of right now he's he's been the guy down on the sideline whenever things have gone bad. He's he's constantly in that defensive huddle and trust me, it's intense.
0: Love that. All right. Last question, Teddy. You probably know what it is. What's your prediction for Saturday?
2: I predict a really close football game. And that that's that's not a you know, that's not gonna be a surprise to anyone. I think it's been since 2013 was the last time we had a two score game Hmm. um so I feel like that's what it's going to be um like right now it's hard not to to feel like Texas is the better football team coming in and I think they they definitely have the advantage and if like if you if you just like stacked the two teams up to one another right now you would say that you know Texas is going to win the football game by, by a couple of scores, but we know that that's not how this one works, right? Um, if, if ever there's a game where um, the bad team coming in is, is on a level playing field, it's this one. And we've seen it on both of our sides, right? We've seen it where Texas hasn't been very good coming in and Oklahoma has been a top five football team and they either beat us or it is absolutely down to the wire. And on the flip side, you know, there's been times where we're not very good. We haven't been able to do a whole heck of a lot. And Texas is is right up there, you know, close to, you know, you know, top five, top 10 in the country and, you know, give them everything that that they want and and even win some of those games. So uh, to me, it's it's going to be incredibly close. Everything tells you that Texas wins this thing easily. And I think that's actually in this game a big advantage for the underdog, So I think it's going to be really tight. You know, it'll be hard for us to get past, um, you know, Dylan Gabriel being out if he is in fact out. Uh, We've got a ton of other guys that are, that are banged up. So like health for us is going to be really critical factor, depending on who plays coming into the game. But I think it's going to be a classic, you know, just, just like it has been the last, what, four or five times that every game's been unreal. I think we're, we're gonna get that since we're we're not really expecting it. All
0: right, embarrassing admission time, Teddy. I just talked about uh, Sooners that I had a hard time hating. Well, you are on that list. You are <laughs> on that list as a player, and you continue to be on that list because I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to speak with you and getting to know you a little bit over the last several years. Now, it's always a pleasure. People, please go follow him on Twitter at Ted Layman eleven. Teddy, thank you as always. Uh, have fun this weekend, but not too much fun though. I hope you go. Hope you walk away from the Cotton Bowl a little bit sad on Saturday.
2: Yeah, well, it's going to be a good one. I think we'll all have fun. Let's take care of each other out there and, uh, and have a good, fun football game.
0: Absolutely. And that is it for the first edition of Trey Chats. Thank you so much to Brian Jones and Teddy Lehman for talking a little Texas OU, smack dab in the middle of hate week. And thanks to you for checking the show out. If you are watching on YouTube right now, please do click subscribe, like, Five-star rating interviews always help. Same thing goes for those of you listening on the audio stream right now. I'm Trey Elling. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, have yourselves a phenomenal rest of the week, a great Saturday, and hook them.